You're listening to the Mountain and Valley Podcast. This podcast exists to encourage, empower, and equip you to share your story, and with it, the gospel. I want to give a quick disclaimer. On today's episode, we discuss a sensitive topic, sexual abuse. So if you're listening with kids, or if this subject may be a trigger for you, then we recommend skipping this one. On today's episode, we sat down and listened to Amanda Berry's story. Amanda tells the heartbreaking story of being sexually abused as a child and trying to find stability in a world filled with chaos. Her story is one of redemption and finding new life, but we'll let her tell the story. Hi, my name is Amanda, and I just want to share a little bit about my story. Um, Before Jesus, um, as a child, I grew up in a home um, without any Christian influence. Um, My parents got divorced when I was four, and um, as a child, I didn't really have much of a relationship with my father. And my mother, um, she struggled with alcoholism and she kind of relied on men to, to support her. So she dated several people and then remarried pretty quickly after my father left. And, um, the man that she ended up marrying, he was, um, abusive towards me. About a year after they got married, um, he started sexually abusing me, and he abused me until I moved out when I was 12. So, um, I didn't ever tell my mom. I just, I wasn't comfortable with it. He had threatened me that it would, um, hurt her emotionally, and as a child, I felt like that would be the worst thing to do to her, so I kept it a secret. Um... No one ever really talked about Jesus growing up. I know that my grandmother was a Catholic, but she wasn't practicing. And so I never heard anything about God or anything growing up. But I still somehow had curiosities about Jesus. And I would ask my mom questions. Um, I don't know if she just didn't know the answers or what, but she never really answered them. She just kind of deflected. So I just kind of always had that curiosity there. Um once I moved in with my father as a teenager, I was, I was 13 when I moved in with my dad and, um, I made a best friend in eighth grade and she was a Christian. She came from a Christian home and she tried to share the gospel with me. Um, I would go to church with her, but I never felt comfortable there. And, they told me I'd bring the wrong Bible if it wasn't King James Version. And, like, I just never felt, like, loved and welcome there. So um, my relationship with her didn't really lead to anything as far as faith goes. Um, My living situation at that time wasn't a very stable situation. I didn't have a very um, positive relationship with my father, and he had just 
he just remarried. And so, um, they were in their newly wed phase and I don't know where exactly I fit into that. And so I don't feel like my family life was very stable at that point. And, um, things were sometimes volatile towards, um, between my father and me. And I ended up two years later moving in with my oldest sister, who was 23 at the time. Um, so I feel like my family structure throughout the years was not, not very stable. I didn't have any Christian role models to look up to or to, to follow. Um, so I feel like I did the cliche thing and as a teen just partied and did the things that teenagers do to try to fit in whether I felt like it was the right thing to do or not um when I was let's see I think 19 I was living with a boyfriend and his oldest sister she over and over would try to share the gospel with me and I always just felt like I'm not in the right place. I'm not doing the right thing. I'm living in sin. It's just, I'm, I'm not where I need to be. I felt like I wanted to have a relationship with Jesus, but I felt like I couldn't at that time because of my circumstances. So again, I just didn't, um, it didn't amount to anything. Uh, so I continued my poor choices into adulthood. As a young adult, I was just drinking too much and um, I was just completely lonely, even, you know, with having friends and stuff. I just felt utter loneliness and a lack of purpose and self-worth. Um, people that I worked with, one nurse in particular who kind of took me under her wing as, uh, and over the years, I've always called her mama, um, she treated me like her own. She would share the gospel with me quite often. And I just feel like between her and um, my ex's sister and my friend that I made in middle school, I feel like they all were planting seeds in my life. Um, I didn't know it at the time, and I was resistant to it over the years, but they, they were planting seeds in my life. And it wasn't until I met my now husband, Matt, um, and I just saw just faith lived out by him and his family, and I feel like it all just came together, all the seeds that had been planted over the years, just, um, it all clicked, and I felt like my eyes had been opened finally to the gospel, and so I'm, I'm a very private person, so I didn't do anything publicly, um, I didn't seek out anyone to do this with. I just, me, myself, I repented and I asked Jesus into my heart. And then I got baptized and started attending church regularly. And um, it's just been really cool to see how God has changed my life. Uh, not that I'm perfect by any means, but I don't have the desire to do the sinful things that I was doing regularly before Jesus. Um, and I feel like it was because there was this huge void that I was trying to fill with all those things and he 
show me that he was going to fill that void for me. Um, God showed me that my past sins don't define me. And even the sins that were done against me, they don't define me. And that I'm a new creation in him. And I don't have to dwell on guilt from my past. Um, um, at one point in my life, I did not feel like I deserved anything. I wasn't worthy of anything. But uh, God has shown me that I'm his creation and I'm his child. And he's blessed me time and again. Um, he blessed me with a godly husband who has just helped guide me in my relationship with Jesus and um, his whole family. They're all believers and they've all just helped me in my walk and just shown me, um, they've, they've given me the Christian role models that I didn't have growing up. And that's just been a huge help in me growing and learning more about Jesus and who he is to me. And he's blessed us with three wonderful kids. And I just pray every day that I can be a godly mother to them and be the role model and example for them that I didn't have. So that is a, that is a daily struggle for me because I didn't have it modeled growing up. So I don't exactly know what it looks like. So I'm learning every day, but I know God is with me. And even on days that I fail and mess up, I, you know, I just pray that God has their hearts and so he can take my failures and he can turn it into something good for his kingdom. Um, one thing that I do struggle with is sharing my story. I don't have confidence in it. I haven't shared it with many people and, um, I do feel like it's important, especially in light of a lot of things that are happening right now. There are Christians in the world that are you know, dying for their faith and, and I feel uncomfortable just sharing mine. So I'm just trying to step out in faith and, um, be bold with telling my story and just being more confident in it. Thank you for sharing your story with us, Amanda. It's uh, it's really powerful. I think a lot of people will benefit from hearing it. Absolutely. Uh, we've known Amanda through our small group for almost two years now, and it's it's been an honor to get to know you and uh, see you grow in your faith while we're growing in ours, hopefully too, but also to, to see your story the last couple of years lived out. So thank you for sharing that with us, but also our listeners. Yeah, sure. Uh, first, I'm just curious, have you ever reached back out to your friend from eighth grade since you accepted Christ? Yeah, uh, we reconnected a couple years ago, and uh, we 
had some play dates with our kids, spent some time together, and she's still a believer. And so it was just really cool to be able to now share my faith with her. Whereas before, it was like she was always sharing her faith with me, and we were never brothers and sisters, well, <laughs> sisters in Christ. Um, and then we, and now hanging out with her now, we, we, are so that's kind of cool to have that relationship have changed um but we haven't seen each other i guess since covid so yeah Yeah, that's that's how it goes for a lot of people unfortunately right but that's that's neat and i'm glad that there's still some friendship there it's probably not the same as it was back then but sure um that's really cool it's probably better that it's not the same as it was back then. yeah the the result was well worth the trade-off yeah uh, so, a little bit of a weird question, but was there any point in your life that you realized that the world was never going to be able to offer st- the stability you were looking for needed and that it would only be found in Christ? I think that um, that's kind of that was kind of like my low point prior to accepting Jesus was realizing that, that like all the things that I was trying to fill the void with weren't ever going to be sufficient. And then, you know, hearing the gospel helped me realize that that was, that was it. That was what was going to fill the void. And that was the only thing that was going to offer me any stability or you know any chance of happiness was through Jesus. Do you think that seeing your, your husband, Matt and his family live out their faith was, more impactful rather than them just sharing it verbally. Yes, because other people had shared it verbally with me over the years and I'm a visual person (laughs) in one ear out the other. If you just say it to me, but they showed it to me and they showed me something that I had been missing my whole life. Like I did not grow up with anyone showing me Jesus. And so to see them live it out, towards each other and towards myself that that was kind of like my aha moment so no it's good i think there's something to be said for people who you know live out what they're talking about Mm -hmm. because it's one thing to just sit there and talk about your faith all day and say what you believe to someone and talk about the gospel but to actually live it out makes it more real um tangible tangible because it's i mean that's that's how we're supposed to live life anyway. Like that's, hmm. we're supposed to live the life that Jesus set out for us. So, um, well, before we go into these next few questions, I just wanted to say real quick, um, you know, since we are talking about sexual abuse, uh, in this episode, you know, me and Mike are both two men and unfortunately we were not able to get a, another female voice on here. So if anyone's offended by that or affected by that, I apologize was not um, intentional. It was not intentional. We're we're just we're gonna walk into this as as gingerly as we possibly can, um, and respectfully as we possibly can with with you in mind, Amanda, and anyone else who might be listening, um, because we do think it is is worth talking about, especially given some events this past year within um, churches that are here in our country that we're loosely associated with, uh, the SBC. So you know. I think that's worth saying. Um, so here we go. Well, did you ever talk to your parents about the sexual abuse that you experienced? 
Um, I never talked to my mother about it while I lived with her. Um, actually, the first person who I told ever was that friend that I told you I made that had shared her faith with me. Uh, and it was, it was just a really odd circumstance. Uh, it was the first time I had ever spent the night with her and I felt compelled to tell her. I'd never felt compelled to tell anyone before and I told her and she actually had a similar story. So it was just kind of like she was the person who I was meant to tell. And, um, so she, I actually, <laughs> I actually threw up after I told her cause it was just like this, um, weight was lifted off of me cause it was, I was living with this burden by myself my whole life and to share it was powerful and she urged me to tell my oldest sister who then there was a ripple effect she told my dad um and then we we did end up telling my mom um but she did not want to believe it so she just kind of said my oldest sister told me to make up lies and stuff so there was nothing really that came of that um so I, I kind of ended my relationship with my, my mom there. Um, she told me that if I wanted to continue to have a relationship with my half sisters, I have two younger half sisters that I would have to also have a relationship with their father. And I, I chose not to. So I didn't speak to my mom or my half sisters for 10 years because of that. So that's, that's just a, that's a shame. I, I think we could all do better of, not blaming victims and just listening to people's stories when it comes to this stuff and um, just not ignoring the issues. Well, how's, how's your relationship with your parents now? Um, I never regained a relationship with my mom. Uh, she passed away in 2012 from complications from being an alcoholic. And I had never rekindled anything with her. Uh, couple years before she passed I did have to see her um which had it had been 10 years since I'd seen her at that point in time but she lost custody of my younger sisters who were teenagers at the time and um I didn't want to see them be placed in foster care and so I became a foster parent so that I could they could live with me I couldn't financially afford it by myself but that's why I did the foster care program so that I could get some financial aid to help. And so they came and lived with me. So in, in that whole process, I did end up having to see my mom in court situations and actually ended up having to see, um, her, they, they divorced, but the, the man that was my stepdad growing up had to see him briefly in court as well. Um, so my mom actually didn't recognize me and honestly, had you not told me that was my mom, I wouldn't have recognized her. She looked physically completely different than I remember her. Um, her health had deteriorated so bad and almost unrecognizable. This is a very difficult situation to walk through. Yeah. So I mean, I'm, I'm curious with your, uh, your half sisters, mm -hmm. did that like almost foster kind of relationship allow you to like, be more involved with their lives at all? 
their current life. Oh, yeah, well, sure, yeah. Um, I don't know that it went particularly well in the sense that I was not saved yet then, so I don't mm. feel like I was the best role model for them necessarily. Um, at the time, I felt like I was a good role model in the sense that I was quote-unquote successful. I was a nurse already, and so... I was like the first person in our family to go through school and make something of myself and whatever. But I don't think that's what they needed. They needed the stability that I never had and they never had. Mm. Um, before they came into my life again, they were living without power. And I mean, the house that they were living in was beyond words. We went there when when they came to live with me, we went there to pick up a few things of theirs and I, I wouldn't let them bring anything. Like it was disgusting and um, worse than my childhood, which before that I couldn't have imagined worse, but it was worse. Um, so unfortunately I wasn't the best role model. I was still not making the best choices, um, still drinking some and stuff. So, they ended up not staying with me very long. The one of them left before the, the older one left before the younger one. She had some behavioral issues um, that I just couldn't handle at the time. And so she left and she did end up going into the foster care system, unfortunately. Um, and then the younger left a few months later. She tried to stay with me, but she wanted to be with her sister. So, have you? reach out to them in the last few years or so anything the older one that left due to behavioral issues we haven't really spoken since she left the the younger does um stay in communication with me via facebook but we haven't really talked about anything regarding like why they left and right. how things were well, I mean, unfortunately, that's that's just life. Not everything turns out well, but you know, I think that's a situation that everyone can be praying for, and we'll see if, uh, like Isaiah says, we get beauty from ashes. Um, so, well, I'm curious: was there anything that helped you walk through the trauma, or or maybe heal from the trauma? Um, I know that everyone's different, so I don't want to offend anyone with the way I answer this because people who are currently walking through it might feel differently. But, um, I mean, I feel like healing from it is like a ongoing thing. So, mm -hmm. you know, there might be days where something brings it more to mind. Um, but I'm kind of a, I kind of like shove things in, <laughs> shove things down. So, that's what I did. I mean, that's while it was ongoing, that was what I did. I felt like I couldn't tell my mom, so I shoved it down. And that's just how I dealt with it. And not to say that's healthy, and I don't recommend that, but um, I feel like that's just what I did. Even even leaving my mom, um, you know, that's a, that's a hard thing to have to do when you're 12. And, um you know, instead of letting it bother me and even having to leave my younger sisters, like I felt like 
who's going to protect them because, you know, my older sisters, they kind of helped raise me and we all raised each other and, and, and whatever, because my mom struggled with not only alcoholism, but also mental illness. And so we just kind of raised each other. And so then the thought of leaving them was really hard for me because I helped raise them until they were like six. Um, but I, that was just another thing that I just kind of pushed down. Like I couldn't let it consume my life and push me into depression or, or worse. Um, so I did that and I've just, you know, talking about it, that friend that God gave me to talk to about it, just kind of getting that burden off of myself just really helped me. So I feel like sharing it with anyone that, that you feel comfortable sharing it with um, it is one way to kind of start the healing process. No, I think that's good. Uh, there was something you said while you're sharing your story. Um, you said, what was done to me does not define me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really powerful. That's something that I constantly go back to myself. And my, my situation is entirely different. But having gone through a different kind of trauma, um, that is something that I have to constantly remind myself is my situation doesn't define me. Mm-hmm. Um, my choices define me. And, you know, now you're a new creation. Right. Um, like Second Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. And I think that's just a, a powerful reminder to constantly go back to because, like you said, healing from trauma is a constant, ongoing process. Yeah. And I think if we're believers, we have to just constantly return to that place of I'm, I'm new in Christ. Yes, this don't deny this bad thing happened to me, but I have a restart almost. Right. So, Do you have any advice for people going through abuse? Uh, what do you wish someone had told you or said to you? I wish that there had been anyone that I had felt comfortable with as it was occurring to reach out to and to confide in. Um, I feel like as a child, anyway, I don't, I don't know. I can't relate to abuse as an adult, but as a child, I felt like it didn't matter or no one's going to believe me or, you know, so I feel like if you could just push those thoughts aside and just, just tell someone, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, I can't understand or relate. So thank you for, for sharing just that simple um, yet seemingly quite difficult thing to do. It's very difficult. I, and I mean, I know any, I know there's different types of abuse, um, but specifically with sexual abuse, usually the abuser is going to try to in any way get you to be quiet about it. So you know, in my case, it was through guilt. Um, oh, well, if you tell, they'll put me in jail and that will hurt your mom. So I didn't want to hurt my mom. You know, it, was, it boiled down to that. And so, um, 
just to know that your abuser is always going to be trying to manipulate you into into silence. So you have to speak for yourself. You have to advocate for yourself, which is hard, especially when you're six. But <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine. I'll just say, you know, for for us and anyone listening, again, just listen. Like if, if someone's telling us that something is happening, we should just we should be quick to listen and to honor the person who is being abused um, and to investigate it and look into it. Absolutely. Instead of just going straight to denying it and ignoring it. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of times abuse is unfortunately within families or something. Mm -hmm. And so it can be hard to hear and uncomfortable, but yeah, listening to the victim because they are the victim. And so it's, you should never guilt shame the victim, which is sadly it, what happens a lot of the time. I'd also like to add urgency is key. Um, if somebody's confiding in you, don't sit on it for a while. You know, take action quickly. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot at stake. Yeah. You just never know what kind of situation. Like, and it can escalate into worse if it's found that they've said something. So, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Um, what would you say to someone who feels that they can't go to Jesus because they aren't good enough or they don't have it all together or, or something bad has happened to them. Right. Um, I would say do it anyway, because in hindsight, I should have gone to Jesus a long time ago. Um, because I still don't have it all together. <laughs> so, um, who does, right? Yeah, <laughs> I do. Come on guys. Micah's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Far from it. Micah aside. Um, no, but really, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel like everything I did prior to finding, finding Jesus was just excuses. Um, so I, I think that my heart wasn't ready to accept him. And so I just made excuses, but I mean, I'm, I'm never going to be perfect until, you know, on this side of heaven, I'm never going to be perfect. I mean, you know, it's just not going to happen. And so just, just do it anyway and just come as you are and he'll, he'll help you get through the, the things, the obstacles that are in your way of a relationship with him. Yeah. I mean, he came, he came to save sinners. Yes. Right? He, didn't, he didn't come for perfect people because there are no perfect people. Right. Yeah. So if, if that's you and you're just thinking, I'm not good enough. I can't, I can't come to God until I've, I've got my, my house in order. You're wrong. Right. He's, he's still there waiting with open arms for you to just come running to him. Well, I feel like it also was hard for me because I had, since I didn't grow up in church or even around anyone that was in church, I had this preconceived notion that, you know, people who go to church, they got it all together. And so, I mean, even the first time I went into a church, I was sweating bullets. Like, I was like, I don't belong here. Somebody's going to ask me a Bible verse and I'm not going to know it. You know, I was just terrified to... Well, and, and to add to that, one final thought is if you're waiting until you have it all together, you may get to that point by the world standards. But, you know, as we know in Romans, all have sinned and fall short. So even if you have everything together by appearances, nothing changes from that point till 
you realize that the whole reason we need Christ is sin. It's, it's not whatever baggage that you have because we all have it and we always will. Yeah. It's He carries that, that load for you. And all you've done is like put off your relationship with Jesus. Yeah, you, you've kelt, you you've carried that burden longer than you had to. Yeah. Um, so switching gears again, sorry, Kip. Um, what are you and Matt doing at the moment to display the Christian life for your kids? Um, well, aside from taking them to church regularly or right now we have a small baby so we've been watching virtually but just staying consistent with that so that they're continually hearing the word um and then just you know we read them bible stories we have we all have our own bibles we have you know the jesus storybook bible for our younger son um that and then just like we want them to see us in the word so um i mean as peaceful as it is to do our Bible studies before they're awake. Um, we want them to see us with our Bibles open so that they, you know, they know that we're supposed to be in the word daily. And then just prayer, like we pray together as a family. And then, you know, we want them to know, we, we try to encourage them to pray. Our daughter struggles with, um, as she would call it, bad thoughts at night. She just, get scared about things that seem irrational to us, but they're real to her. And so one of the things that we've taught her to do as a way that she can cope is before you come to us, because we can't really fix it, <laughs> but before you come to us, pray. Like God can take away your fears, just pray. So just trying to encourage her through that. And then she, um, you know, we chose to send them to a private Christian school. And so we, she gets to hear the word, not only at home and church, but also at school. So we're hoping that, you know, just the constant exposure will help grow her, but well, not grow her faith, but lead her to faith. She has professed to a teacher that she wants to ask Jesus into her heart, but then she's since told us that she may not know if she did. So we're just kind of trying to navigate that and like just continually just tell her about Jesus, who he is and what he's done and hope that we can lead all of our children to Christ. Yeah. And and based on seeing you and Matt uh, live your life alongside of, you know, Kip and his wife and me and Paige, it's, it's evident that you guys are living your faith out in front of them. And I'm pretty sure you said this and if not here, you've said it multiple times, you're not perfect and you make mistakes and that's going to happen. But I think what's encouraging to me and Paige as you know, we're currently in the adoption process and looking at starting or expanding our family. Um, you guys are, are trying and you know you're not perfect, and you know there's the need for Christ and his involvement, and, and that's really encouraging to us. Yeah, absolutely, and you guys, our whole small group is an encouragement, and that's another thing is I know that there's a lot of negative things that have come with COVID, but one thing that I've truly enjoyed is our small group moving into the home setting. Mm -hmm. um, 
I think it's helped us all grow closer, but also like our kids are involved now instead of like dropping them off in one other location. They're with us. They're in it. They're seeing us do life with other believers. Mm -hmm. And so they're seeing it lived out. And I love that. I was going to say, it's been really cool to see all, all of y'all's kids in our small group interacting a little bit. But, you know, they're they're there and they're seeing a community of believers gather together instead of being pushed off to daycare. Yeah. Like you said. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, you know, so anyone who's been listening for a while, uh, especially this season, may have noticed that there's been kind of a, a trend that we've talked about. And we, we've talked about breaking cycles a lot and, and breaking that cycle of, of family sin. Um inherited sin whatever you want to call it i forget what the official theological term generational generational sin there it is yeah look at me with the theological term i'm liking those more than tonight guys (laughs) um no but i i think you know we're seeing you you and matt do that um where you know you came up in a family that had a lot of sin issues and and didn't seek the lord in that um but you're starting a family that goes to God first rather than you know going to a bottle first. Right. Um, and I just think that's really powerful. I think that in and of itself is a testimony. It's not like, like we said earlier, it's not something that's, that's spoken, but it's something that you're actively doing and showing and sharing yeah. um, because you're living it out. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, even before I was saved, I just knew that I did not want to end up like my mother and her mother and her father. They they both smoked and they both drank. And they. my grandfather died when I was three and my grandma when I was nine. And, you know, my mom when I was 26. So I knew I did not want to end up like that. Um, doesn't mean I made the wisest choices. Um, but I always, I always had it in mind. I always knew, like, okay, well, I'm not going to do that. And so... Um, I do feel like Jesus, finding Jesus helped me, like, not, I don't want this to sound like I'm judgmental towards drinking, I'm not at all, if a Christian chooses to drink, that's on, that's completely their choice, but I have chosen, since I have been a believer, not to drink, and not because I feel like alcohol is bad, but because of the generational sin that has, um, been in my family for quite some time I I wanted to break that cycle because I know statistics I know that alcoholism runs in my family and I wanted to break that I don't I didn't want my children to see me drink I don't want that to be a normal thing in our household because I don't want that to become an issue for them and I hope and pray that it's not and um another thing that I don't know if it's I don't know. I've been looking into it to see if it's hereditary or generational or whatever, but, um, I struggle with anger and, um, unfortunately I feel like my loved ones see the worst of it. Um, but I know like my mother was not a nice drunk. (laughs) Um, she was emotional. She could get angry and, um, also just like I had said before, it was sometimes volatile towards between my father and I when I lived with him as a teen and um you know so I don't I didn't grow up in the most nurturing of environment to say the least and that's something that I I want my children to know I love them I want them to be nurtured and so I pray about it I've 
even sought counsel over it because I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be angry. I want to be loving and um, I'm trying to break that generational curse, I would call it. <laughs> well, one last question. Yeah. Why do you think it's important for people to get comfortable sharing their story? Um, I, I think it's really important to share. I think it's important to be really comfortable sharing it so that you're always ready to share it. Um, you never know when the situation will arise. You don't know the impact that you can have on someone. Like I said, I feel like over the years people planted seeds and I haven't forgotten anybody who shared the gospel with me, even if at the time it didn't make me repent then I they're they're in my mind they're they're in my heart that they did that for me and when I became a believer it just kind of all came together and I even reached out to one of the people who did and just thanked them for it because it's like it just was so impactful even years later like not maybe not at the time but years later it just kind of like impacted me that people would be so bold and step out even if they might have felt stupid doing it or whatever like it's not about me or if I feel stupid doing it it's about growing the kingdom and that's how you do it is by sharing your faith sharing gospel Galatians 2:20 I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Thank you for listening to the Mountain and Valley Podcast. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by subscribing, leaving a review, or sharing an episode with a friend. You can also follow us on social media. Just search underscore MV Podcast on any platform. This podcast was created and produced by Micah Horvath and Kip Wilkinson. This episode is mastered and scored by J.A. Parkey. To learn more about this project, you can visit mvpodcast.org. Thank you so much for listening. Now go tell your story. Do I say the why? No. Nope. Y'all don't ask the why. Nope. We don't. If you want to share it with story us, story should reflect the, the why. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What? I don't know. I want to say like why. <laughs> it feels weird to just say it. You, you can, yeah, but it won't make it. Out. It won't make it into the episode. <laughs> okay.